Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we do have to let it breathe just for a few seconds to make sure we got all five of our streaming platforms locked in. We're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, while we took a night off, the nation, of course, went out and voted or completed the voting process because the nation's been voting uh, for a few weeks now. And, uh, you know, the the whole enchilada is still a little bit up in the air as we you know, take to the to to the airwaves, the digital airwaves, as it were tonight. But we're not here to talk about elections. We're not here to talk about, uh, you know, the, this vote or that percentage or whatever. We're here to talk Denver Broncos. And I first and foremost, how are you doing as we kick off our you know, we're going to start looking at the Atlanta Falcons here tonight. How you hang, my friend? I'm, I'm going to keep my politics out of this. I'm going to keep this strictly football chat. I'm doing pretty well. You know, after a day off, nice to get back on here. I'm looking forward to Sunday. Um, we have some disappointing news, uh, more CV placement from the Broncos loss, a key player today. Uh, they lost a certain tight end who's injured again. There's also positive news that the Broncos are facing a very beatable Falcons team coming off the big win, and they look to keep that momentum going. So that's what I'm going to keep my focus on, Chad, and I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah, so so first and foremost, there's not a lot to analyze, so I just want to get this out of the way. So first and foremost, Shelby Harris has been placed in CV protocol, not because he's tested uh, positive, but because he informed the team this morning that he came into contact with somebody outside of the building that has indeed uh, contracted the bug. And so that automatically puts him into the protocol. Now, you know, so, so long, Zach, as he doesn't come up with a positive test, you know, prayers up between now and game day, I think there's enough time to get him through the protocol and still have him play on Sunday. But yeah, unfortunately, Jake Butt, you know, three games in a row, he's missed with that ha- that lingering hamstring. And you know, the Broncos, with all the injuries they've had this year, Zach, they're just they're not in a position where they can wait months for for players who are, you know, third and fourth tier guys to heal up. He's on IR and it's probably the last there's a good chance, I'll say, that it's the last Broncos fans will have seen a butt. Are we comfortable enough now ending this experiment, guys? Are are we is it still taboo to suggest the Broncos have to cut bait with Jake Butt? Is it taboo to suggest that good guy, he gave a good effort, but his body just betrayed him year in and year out? 
some of us call this. I know some Broncos fans had hope for Jake Buck coming into the season. Others saw it as inevitable. He'd be injured again. And it sucks for him. He was a very um, uh, a valued member of that 2017 draft class. The Broncos got him for a steal, but there's a reason why they got him where they did because of an injury. And that just preceded him throughout his NFL career. I think the time is over now. And you know the writing's on the wall. When the Broncos, for your replacement, are looking at Troy Fumagalli. It's, it's a lateral move in every way, but I think the butt experiment is over, and I hope Broncos country is more um, amenable to admitting that. You know, it's one of those football tragedies. It's so unfortunate because not only is Jake Butt an all-time football dude in terms of, you know, the way the, the locker room views him and his, his enthusiasm and commitment to football and to his team and all that, but, you know, he was a guy that if the injury bug doesn't leap up and start nipping at him in his last college game, Michigan's bowl game, you know, he could go could have gone on to have a, a modestly successful career. The Broncos believed him in him as their tight end of the future. And then when the injury bug hit, you know, they were even willing to stay patient with that, knowing he was going to be a red shirt as a rookie. And they were willing to stay patient until it hit him again three games into his second year. And so the contingencies went into effect in the form of uh first Troy Fumagalli as a fifth rounder, then Noah Fant, and now complete with Albert Okaway Boonham. So, you know. We wish the best to Jake, but technically at the end of this season, uh, the Broncos will have an option to place a restricted free agent tender tag on him, or I guess just tender him as a restricted free agent. But, Zach, it's really uh, dubious to expect that to happen, only because any tag you place, restricted free agent tag you place on a, on a free agent, comes with an associated guaranteed dollar figure that they get. And in the case of Jake Butt, even if the Broncos had uh, you know plans or hopes to bring him back for a year or two, you know, maybe a veteran minimum is the most they'd be willing or should be willing to pay. I'm not wasting my money on him. I mean, you try to bleed that rock. It didn't really work out. I'm giving my money to the players that deserve it. The players like Shelby Harris, the players like Simmons and uh, Philip Lindsay and Garrett Bowles. They drafted a tight end in the first round who is the future at the position. They drafted Albert O in the third round who's the future, you know, tandem, the bookend to Noah fan. They don't need another tight end. So it's, again, it sucks for Jake Butt, but the reality is in this business, you either perform on the field or you're left behind. And he spent more time, Chad, in the trainer's table than on the gridiron. Shout out to Albert and Jerry, two of our Facebook supporters. Love you guys. Appreciate you more than we can say. It's good to have you with us here in the stream. There is so much more that we're going to get to tonight. we got to talk about the Falcons, the fact that the Broncos open up as three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road, despite the fact that the Falcons are, at least in the standings, okay, we, we can discuss the merits and qualities of these two teams, but in the standings, they are an inferior team, and yet they're opening up as three-and-a-half-point dogs. We'll talk about that. Zach, I want to dive a little deeper into some of the things Colin Cowherd said. Uh, I believe it was yesterday morning. I want to get into a few specific quotes that he had to say about Drew Locke. It was brought to our attention, in fact, by one of our great Super Chat superstars. I don't recall which one it was Monday evening um, that uh, Colin Cowherd had begun to turn in that game on Sunday uh, tweeting about Drew Locke. We'll get to all that stuff. Uh, And again, shout out to everybody out there. Hope you're uh, staying safe. Hope everyone's doing well. Clips, good to see you, my friend, in the city of brotherly love. We are going to get to all of that good stuff, but... First, we got to take care of a few really, really quick matters of business. Tonight's live stream podcast, gang, brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Listen up, gang. Broncos country, you got to know this. Gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado. What makes sportsbetting.com the no-brainer destination for sports uh, sports fans is the following. Number one. 
sharp odds, and low juice. They have in-house bookmakers, which means they're not pulling third-party odds from other sites and then trying to manufacture that as if they came up with it themselves. They create their own odds, and they provide that reduced juice and the best prices. You get hassle-free bonuses, and anyone that's been involved in or done any online sports betting, that you understand that that is huge. All right, Most sites out there just make you jump through hoop after hoop after hoop in order to actually cash in on your bonus uh, money. They don't do that. Plus, you get 24-7 live customer support at sportsbetting.com, and it's always a person in the United States. But here's the kicker, and this is what we really want to draw everybody's attention to. Right now at sportsbetting.com, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. And it's not just one of your bets, but all of your bets. So you can the way it works is you play for a week. If your losses end up exceeding your winnings by the end of the week, sportsbetting.com covers those losses 100%, the difference, up to 1000 bucks, and you can roll it over one time. No hassle. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle so they know that we sent you and capitalize on that risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. All right, a couple more quick things here, gang. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. And then while you're at it, follow the main account, at milehighhuddle. You get those two boxes checked on Twitter. As it were, you won't miss anything pod-related or breaking Broncos news and analysis. And, of course, my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then also a gentle reminder, gang, to head on over to HuddleUpPod.com, to the merch store, and get your swag on. Get yourself a, an MHH trucker hat. Get a football priest hat, face masks, T-shirts, hoodies, mugs. There's a little something for everybody out there. And it's another way that you can support what we're doing here. Also, shout out to our Facebook community. We love you guys. And our Facebook official supporters continues to grow, as as does our community and audience there on Facebook. So if you would like to become an official supporter on Facebook of Mile High Huddle, it's really easy. You just go to our page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. You'll see the big blue button that says become a supporter. Click that. You're in like Flynn. We love you. We appreciate you. It's like becoming a monthly uh, super chat superstar, but on Facebook. It's another way to support what we're doing here at Mile High Huddle. And gang, if you're not in a position to do any of those things, it's all good. We are just so grateful and stoked to have you with us here live in the stream, or if you're listening after the fact as a podcast on demand, what we ask is that you do these three things, all of you with us uh, right now or after the fact. Number one, subscribe. That's crucial. Like this video or like this podcast. And the, the third thing is share it out there. You know, that's how Zach and I measure the litmus test of how well we're doing. If you think we're doing a good job for you, the best thing you can do is share this out there and help Mile High Huddle and help the Huddle Up podcast continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Industry leading, difference making, tomorrow shaping, world changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. 
Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash techcareers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Hard Seltzer, it's not your average seltzer because rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. It used to be if you wanted to make an impact, you wanted to make a difference in the world, you'd have to get off your butt, you'd have to go out there and do something. With Coors Hard Seltzer, they're making it all the easier to make that impact. And the way they're doing it is by launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering because our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer, this is how it works, restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the way it shakes out is 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. Plus, with Coors Hard Seltzer, you get four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in game. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I know for a fact, watching that Broncos Chargers game in the first half, I needed a few Coors Hard Seltzers to get me by. But after that wild comeback victory, I'm celebrating with my Coors Hard Seltzer in the best possible occasion. So gang, join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, I want to get your take on a few things Colin Cowherd had to say, and then we'll grab um, – I know we got a few supers. We got Zeus in the house. In fact, let's just say hi to Zeus. He's been waiting patiently. Love you, my friend. The uh, the first visage, Zach, that is etched up there on, on Mount – uh, MHH, love sure. you, my friend, and appreciate you. Hi to you as well. Hope everything's doing a okay for you down in Texas. And then uh, we got also Rich Stimson jumping in, who's become very active as a superstar on YouTube. Really appreciate your support, Ridge. Thank you. He said, "Hey guys, just want to say your positivity is so inspiring and addicting. You guys don't seem to get enough credit in that department. Keep it up." Right on, man. Appreciate it. We do, uh, you know, Zach and I are a couple, uh, we try to tell it to you straight, but at the same time, we view everything through Zach, a a glass half full type of perspective. I was going to say, Ridge, are you talking to Chad, right? You're not talking to me. I mean, I've gotten a lot of blowback for my negativity, but we try to spin it in a way that's both positive, but also objective and truthful. We don't ever blow smoke. We don't ever BS you guys. We are eternal optimists. We don't believe anything's happening for coincidence. Uh, we tell it like we feel it, though. And sometimes Chad and I disagree. Sometimes it deviates into the negative, into the pessimistic, but it's always our true thoughts. And I think, Chad, Broncos country appreciates that. All right. So we touched on this very briefly on Monday's show. But in case you missed it, Colin Cowherd has jumped off the Drew Locke bandwagon with such force 
and alacrity that he definitely snapped his ankles upon landing. All right, this dude is in the dust, legs broken. That's how quick he hopped off the Drew Lock train. And I want to remind everybody, you know, we can the the let him hate hashtag that you know is of course Zach's brainchild here. That was spawned out of all the national uh, disrespect and to to say it respectfully skepticism, right? That the national perspective had of Drew Locke coming into 2020. They weren't big believers in his four and one finish. You know, they focused in very closely on why he tumbled out of the first round and the Broncos passed on him in the first round twice and, and all that stuff. And he just didn't have much support outside of the Denver media market. Meanwhile, guys like Zach and myself, and we weren't alone in the Denver media market were saying, Hey, look, this kid, there's something there, you know, there's a, there's an it factor. And, you know, obviously wasn't uh, blowing the doors down exactly, but there is so much there to be excited about. The future is bright. And then, of course, you get Colin Cowherd as one of the very few, Zach, uh, people in the national media that was singing the praises of Drew Locke. And I want to remind everybody that he said that this was as early as June, Zach, that Drew Locke is a huge talent. That's a direct quote. Drew Locke is a huge talent that he's going to be 2020's pop quarterback, all right, comparing him to previous second-year breakout studs like uh, Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, all right? And then he even went on to say in, in his defense and, and vociferous belief in Drew Locke, don't be shocked if Denver beats Kansas City, talking about 2020. Now, you fast forward to November, and of course, things got out to a clunky start for the Broncos, and in large part, Zach, due to the fact that Drew Locke injured his shoulder in week two, missed some time, and really upset any modest momentum that he and Pat Shermer had cooking together. All right, with that being said, after as the Denver Broncos, and this is what Zach was brought to our attention, it was either Sunday or Monday night um, by one of our superstars. During the Chargers-Broncos game, of course, Drew Locke is stinking it up for three of those quarters. Colin Cowherd tweets, watching Justin Herbert and Drew Locke on the same field today can't give John Elway much confidence going forward. All right, fine, whatever. Locke goes on to win that game and completely dominates um, the fourth quarter. The Broncos win. Cowherd then, Zach, doubles down. I want to read this quote, and then I'm going to serve it over to you. And he really focused in, I thought it was interesting, Zach, on Locke's um, kind of celebrations in the fourth quarter. And I, and I didn't think, you know, knowing what we do about Drew Locke for what it's worth and what we've seen, I didn't think his celebrations in the fourth quarter after he would throw a touchdown or whatever were actually all that out far out there, to be honest with you. Yeah, he was kind of doing this a little bit, but it was like he wasn't going crazy. But here's what Cowherd said, quote, Quarterback is not a position to be cool. Now, it's cool when you win. Peyton Manning is funny. Brett Favre was cool without trying. Patrick Mahomes is cool without trying. But if you're trying to be cool and you're a little too silly or you're a showboater, it's not going to work. Not my kind of guy. Russell Wilson's not cool. Tom Brady, not cool. Breeze, not cool. Andrew Luck, wasn't cool. Carson Wentz, isn't cool. Again, don't tell me Patrick Mahomes is cool. He's cool because he's winning. He's not trying to be cool, and it's a big difference. There are guys that are cool, and there are guys, Zach, that try to be cool. And then the last thing he says here is, uh, you know, win some games. He goes, I was right on Johnny Manziel. I was right on Baker. I was right on Cam, and I was right on Jameis. Too silly, showboat, too cool. I was right. It's four for four. Bring your argument on. Here's number five. I'm not into Drew Locke. Win more games, Cub Scout. Win more games. And then he went on to say that he's officially off the Drew Locke train. Spoken by the least cool person in the building, in the room, Chad. I, I mean, 
I'm going to say to this, and it might seem a little shorter, uh, you know, if you guys are expecting a rant on this, I'm going to say the same thing I said when he commended Drew Locke. I do not give an S-H-I-T what Colin Cowherd has to say. I do not care, positive or negative. His opinion means less than nothing to me. It's on the bottom of my shoe. I don't... The way he judges quarterbacks is what take I'm going to have today is going to get the most eyeballs, the most views, the most reads, the most page views. That's how he operates. That's the the mindset. That's the market he's in. He doesn't have any impact on Locke as a player, as a person, on the Broncos. I, I don't. He didn't even dance when he threw that. And I don't even care if he did. I don't care if he pulled his pants down and mooned the crowd. He threw the game-winning touchdown pass. But all he did was do a little shoulder pop. It wasn't like he was busting a move on the field. So if that's what he really has to come with, if that's his biggest criticism of Drew Locke, the player, then you know what? Drew Locke, the player, is in a much better situation than, you know, you thought he'd be in in his second season. He's calling him a Cub Scout because he hasn't won more games. What is he calling Justin Herbert, who's won one game? That's what I like to know. So his definition of cool, his definition of anything having to do with an NFL analysis or anything to do with that means zero to me personally it really is meaningless you know it was always just something note uh noteworthy for us to to talk about during the offseason that hey you got Colin Cowherd over here saying good things about Drew Locke but Zach it's really bizarre his assertion that that basically Locke needs to quote win more games before he tries to be quote cool right all right well let's look at that just trying to be cool (laughs) let's look at it just for a second though all right he started 10 games in this league He's six and four as a starter. Now, I want to ask each and every one of you out there, quarterbacks, and I don't have this stat in front of me. I haven't taken the time to research this, but if anyone has this off the top of their head, go ahead and hit me up and tell us in the comments or in the chat stream. But, Zach, how many quarterbacks, let's just say drafted from 2017 on, all right, till now, in their first 10 starts have a better record than six and four as a starter? I want, I'm really curious to know how many quarterbacks out there because, again, people can pick nits and say, hey, man, quarterback wins. It shouldn't be a, a quarterback stat. That's not what I'm saying here. He's talking about winning, right? He's saying win more games before you try to be cool. Drew Locke's just being himself. How many quarterbacks in the drafted just in the last few years have won as many games in their first 10 starts in the league as Drew Locke? All right, that's, that's one point I want to make here. The second point is – this guy, all right, as you said, he's a shock jock. He's a guy that's, you know, he's a hot take guy. He's a, he's a Skip Bayless. His own co-host, Joy Taylor, was like, but, but Colin, you were way in on Drew Locke this offseason. You were, you're way in on him. And he's like, quote, now I'm just starting to see, to see this stuff. I'm like, out, done, not interested. Quarterback's not a cool position. Why is he so focused on this cool thing? It's bizarre. I want you to be presidential or quarterbackian, manufacturer's a new word, I want you to be an adult. I want you to be fairly neutral. I want you to be right in the middle. Zach, this is like non it's nonsensical. Uh, when someone is projecting cool that much, it was spoken by the guy who was shoved in lockers in high school chat. And that's what <laughs> Colin Cowherd strikes me as. He literally criticized Carson Wentz. I believe it was Carson Wentz because he wore his hat backwards in a post-game press conference. That would became a national take. But you know what? It worked. Because of what he said, Chad, he won. We're getting, he's getting the discourse that he wanted from us. He got our attention. He's getting our reaction. And that's all he does. So if you, he's like a troll 
From anyone who remembers the old message board days in the 2000s, if you ignore a troll, they go away. If you feed the troll, they keep coming back. He is nothing more than a big troll with a big platform, but his opinion means this much. I just think it's funny. I, and I, I tr- I'm really wondering, like, why did he feel like now's the time to plant that flag? Like, I'm honestly, other than just saying I need to come up with a bold take for this to, so that we have a highlight that might be able to go viral this week on social media. Other than that obvious and very cynical potential motivation, Zach, I'm trying to think, like, how how did he come to this conclusion? It's just really bizarre. Because, yes, Drew Locke was bad those three quarters against the Chargers. He was particularly bad against the Chiefs, and, he's, and he sucked it up through one half, one, one half of the fourth quarter against the Patriots. But he's done a lot of good things, and he's a quarterback that continues to grow with more time on task. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash assessment. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Let's grab this super chat from Tom El Greco. Appreciate you, Tom. Bonafide super star up there north of the 49th parallel. He says, why doesn't Pat Shermer utilize KJ Hamler more? Thanks, guys. Well, I think a lot of that, Zach, has to do with the fact that uh, KJ um, has really struggled to stay on the field so far as a rookie. And, you know, what you've seen is through the last couple of games, now it's not huge numbers, but with availability comes consistency and you can start bonding with your quarterback, start bonding with the coordinator. They start working things in. You saw him make a few plays. Now I'd like to see him get a few more, a, a lot more, in fact, attention in terms of pre-snap, throw a few jet sweeps in there, take some deep shots, trying to utilize his, his speed, Zach. But I think a lot of that explanation of why isn't he being used more, really you got to just point at the fact that he's had two injuries that have cost him games with that hammy. Can I just put a bow on the last topic? The reason why he's saying that, Chad, he has that take, is because it goes against the green. It, it, it's, it would be the popular take and the, the minority take after Drew Locke had a nice fourth-quarter comeback to, say, to trash him after that and to pick his part of his performance. He's always on the other end of the spectrum. He's the ultimate contrarian. So that's the most breath I'm going to give Skip Bayless. In terms of K.J. Hamler, I agree with you. I, they, he had to approve himself. He kind of had an up-and-down uh, summer abbreviated training camp. He had the hamstring injury. I think the Broncos wanted him as a second-round talent, like they did with Alberto, like they did with Jerry Judy, all these rookie players. They have to kind of earn their, their keep. They have to earn being fed on, on a weekly basis. So now that KJ scored the game-winning touchdown and his hamstring is holding up, I would hope, hope that Pat Shermer gets him more involved. And not just on deep shots down the field. I hope on jet sweeps. I hope on crossers, on ends, short passes, high-percentage completions to get the ball in his hands and let his speed do the rest. 
All right, real quick, John, do you have in credit to you, AJ, for bringing that to our attention? It was worth it was worth us writing an article at milehighhuddle.com yesterday to dunk on Cowherd, and it was worth bringing it up here because, you know, we need to defend Drew Locke at this stage just based on the fact that there's not enough sample size quite yet for for anyone, let alone Colin Cowherd, who was his biggest proponent this offseason, to, to, to criticize Drew Locke in, in an absolute way, a definitive way, saying, you know, he's going to be a bust. He, trying to compare him to Johnny Manziel and whatnot. but It's not even a legit way. He, he didn't give one substantial argument as to why he's going to be a bust or why he's not already a decent quarterback in the NFL. All right, we've got one. Uh, I don't know, John, if you have mics. If not, I can grab it. But first, let's say thank you to Chris Hernandez. Appreciate you, my friend. Love you. I mean, seriously, your your support is, I mean, it's been constant, been consistent, been steady. But uh, especially this last week, man, you've gone over the top. So we really appreciate you. We love you, my friend. And as he said, click those little thumbs up. Appreciate you, Doc. And United in Orange. Yep, let's try and all remember as this election starts to coalesce and everything comes to, you know, conclusion. United in Orange. United in, you know, as as fans and and members of the Broncos country community. Mike Evans, uh, jumping in. Indeed, Jim, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, John, I don't know what happened to Mike. I missed him. There he is. Should should Melvin Gordon's primary role, and Mike Evans, by the way, talk about another consistent superstar. I love you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Says, should Melvin Gordon's primary role be the third down running back? Zach, you start on this one. No, I, I you know, he has some value in this offense. And I think, first of all, you're not going to pay a third down running back $8 million a year. The only reason he's getting the playing time and he's like being shoehorned as the RB1 is because of his contract. But it would do the Broncos offense a disservice by making him the Royce Freeman uh, of the, of the ground game. He has some value on, on early downs. He made a nice grab on the last drive for the Broncos. I still think he's overpaid. I still think Lindsay's the better running back. But no, I think the setup they have where, Melvin Gordon can be in if they have to have a, a committee. He can be the early down guy. He can set up the third and shorts. He can set up the explosive plays for Philip Lindsay because Gordon just can't do those same things Lindsay can. Yeah, I mean that toe again. The toe is popping up for for Philip Lindsay, so you worry a little bit. You know, sometimes with players like with with Philip Lindsay, as you tweeted today, the whole narrative that he's that he's not durable enough to be a lasting NFL feature back. I think it's just. Please. It's it's you can't say that based on the fact that in his first two years in the league he's a back to back thousand yard rusher and missed one game with all those touches, and then this year my point though is that you know sometimes players just have that one bad luck year where they pick up an injury and it just kind of nags them. They still find a way to fight through and play, but it just kind of nags them throughout. Whatever the case might be, though, let's just hope that Philip Lindsay. Let's assume for the sake of Mike's question here, let's assume that Philip Lindsay all he needed was a little rest on that toe. And he's good to go on Sunday against the Falcons. Well, in that case, I mean, if the last two games in particular, Zach, have not telegraphed loud and clear to Pat Shermer <laughs> and and Curtis Modkins, for, for what it's worth, the position coach, that Philip Lindsay needs to be given the lion's share of the touches. I don't know what else it's going to take, like aliens landing on the front lawn <laughs> of the White House and telegraph, you know, bullhorn into a microphone, message to Pat Shermer, feed <laughs> Phil. I don't know what else it will take, but to Mike's point here, I think he's more than just a third down running back, Melvin Gordon. Like he, there is, they need to figure out a better uh, formula in terms of, I like what, when, when they've really been able to get their run, their ground game going, Zach, they're able to get things started with Melvin Gordon. And I think that's the wise thing to do. You know, the first two or three touches, give them to Melvin. That, I'm okay with that. But then go and feed Philip Lindsay for a few possessions. Just give him all those touches because 
that change of pace, and I don't say that to categorize Philip Lindsay, but that difference in explosion and, and how quick he hits the hole and the speed, it is so vast and so different that defenses just get lulled to sleep kind of with Gordon. And Gordon's not, you know, it's not like he's Royce Freeman. He can pick you up some yardage. And then Lindsay comes in and it's gangbusters. So they just got to find that balance. And I do think Gordon, though, can be more than a third down running back. But at this stage, the the takeaway is uh, Philip Lindsay is the featured back. That that should be plain and simple for the Broncos. And don't jinx it, Chad. This is 2020 after all. Aliens could be the, you know, <laughs> the final boss of this year. In terms of the Broncos rushing attack, it all comes down to me. I know it's going to sound very trite and old and cliche. How they deploy the rushing attack, how they the, the plays they call uh, for the running backs. My biggest gripe with Scangarello last year, he was calling outside runs for Freeman and inside runs for Philip Lindsay. Lindsay can hit the, the between the tackles runs. He can run inside, but he makes his bones along the edge. He makes his bones on the outside where he can make defenders miss. So if they get the ball in his hands, he has to have more than eight carries, first of all. They got to get them in like 10 to 12 carries each and let you know, some pressure come off uh, Drew Locke and the passing attack. But I think the way they have it, use Melvin Gordon to kind of like wear down the defense and let Melvin and let Philip Lindsay just take the top off, which he will do on Sunday. BG, we call him Brian Greenfield, as he's probably known in, in the real world, jumping in. Longtime superstar, dedicated listener of the show, dedicated MHH guy. We love you, my friend. Appreciate it. Hey, I'm here, guys. Shout out to you. And and BG's been there since before we started doing the live streams. I mean, he's been listening to the podcast on YouTube for a long time. And, you know, one thing before I forget this, I was going to mention it while we had Chris Hernandez's uh, super chat up. but It's jumped and I can't grab it. Nevertheless, Chris on Sunday during the gut reaction, for what it's worth, obliterated the single podcast super chat record that is held here at Mile High Huddle. So, Chris, shout out to you. And BG's record is who you overcame in that. So, and then, of course, Poppy got pretty dang close as well herself. But just tremendous support from everybody. We love you guys and and the Queen as well. I mean, just every single stream, Christy yes. is showing the love and support and bringing the knowledgeable takes, and we just appreciate you. She says, hope you all are hanging in there. I still think Drew is, is cool. Thanks, guys. Zach, Drew Locke <laughs> is cool. Why do you think his teammates the, – the, the first right. mention, like if you're media and you ask anyone in that locker room, hey – Tell me about Drew Locke. What's the first thing that comes to mind? The first thing they're going to say is he's got swag, which equals, you know, if you synonym for cool, swag, okay? (laughs) Moxie, you know, he has that it factor. Let me tell you something about the Broncos locker room, and I'm going to say this on a very surface level. An individual like Dalton Reisner is much different than an individual like Melvin Gordon. And yet the one thing they have in common is they all rally around Drew Locke. They all love him. He had the respect. I'm not making this a political thing or a race thing, but Drew Locke this offseason had the respect of his black teammates, his white teammates, the veterans, the rookies. He has the respect of everyone in the organization. So I don't define cool by... You know, ha- having Aaron Rodgers, you know, discount double check. I don't, I don't define cool that way. If Locke can win games and have that subtle swagger to him, that there's a little shoulder shake, that's enough for me. And you know what? I'll take that cool over Justin Herbert's cool with one win any day of the week. And you know, with regard to Drew Locke, I mean, it's not, it's never, you know, listen, I, I pride myself on being pretty good at reading people. Okay. And that's just something that, you know, I do. I pride myself on that. And with Drew Locke, his swagger, that, you know, rapping Jeezy on the sideline, kind of dancing a little bit before games with his teammates and stuff, to me that has never come off as contrived. That has right. never come it's off genuine. as 
right. as manufactured or put on, you know, putting on airs or anything like that. Whereas, you know, you look at some of the guys that Colin Cowherd mentioned as his four guys I've been right about, Jameis Winston, you know, let's eat a W. That was as contrived <laughs> as you can possibly get, right? And Johnny Mansell, you know, his – now this whole thing in college doing this, I, I think that happened organically, but some of his over-the-top things and, you know, contrived. I would definitely say that. Cam Newton maybe at times contrived, but by and large, Cam Newton's first eight years in the league – were dynamic. I mean, he is by no means some mm-hmm. busted former number one overall pick. And then Baker Mayfield, jury's still out. And I don't think Baker, for what it's worth, uh, I don't think Baker is contrived either. I think Baker's a, a genuine, he's the genuine article in terms of what you see is what you get. And if your point is, don't do that until you win, well, you're, you're missing the whole chicken egg, um, you know, equation here because quarterbacks need that confidence in order for right. all the other things to come. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Terry Randall, appreciate you, my dog. And it's so Thank good you. to hear that you have been uh, reunited with your woman. And that is so cool to hear. We were, we were DMing earlier today on Twitter, and uh, he's keeping me in the loop. So congrats to you on that. So happy for you, my friend. And he's one of the guys that personifies the hashtag state of being up there in Canada. He says, our defense will turn Hotlanta's offense into a hot mess. Hashtag state of being, hashtag football priest, hashtag yay. And we're right there with you, my friend. Yay, we're so stoked uh, that you two are uh, reunited. So, Zach, let's talk a little bit, and then we'll get back to the chat and to some, uh, some questions and super chats. You know, we're at about the halfway mark, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I don't know how much game tape of Atlanta you've broken down or how many even of their games you've really been able to catch this year. But what's your overall read on this Falcons team? Watching, you know, in week two, that's really the extensive viewing I've had of the Falcons this season, that that wild Cowboys game where the Cowboys came back in the fourth quarter. Their defense is trash. The Broncos offense, if they can move the ball uh, like they did in the fourth quarter against the Chargers, they should be able to, I don't want to say score at will against Atlanta, but they should have many red zone opportunities. I'm not worried about that. 
The Falcons offense, though, say what you want about Matt Ryan. Say what you want about Julio Jones getting up there in age. But they have Julio. They have Calvin Ridley. This passing attack can turn a game on a dime in an instant. That's what I worry about. If they can contain Matt Ryan, I'm not worried about the rushing attack at all. If they can contain Matt Ryan in the passing game, this could not only be a Broncos win, Chad. This could be a Broncos resounding blowout victory if all they can do is just contain that lethal, which it still is, Falcons passing game. Let's just take a quick look at the comparisons here. So starting off the top, and this is a good color code reminder for everybody following along on your phones here. Green equals a statistic that's in the top 10 if it's in the red. It's in the bottom 10. Now, if you start with the two general statistics that are listed in terms of turnover differential, the Falcons, that's one thing that they've been pretty good at in terms of, you know, keeping it pretty even, whereas the Broncos are minus seven. And then time of possession, you know, it's it's a pretty wide gap between where they're ranked. But in terms of actual minutes on the field, you know, we're talking about a difference of two minutes and change in terms of the Falcons being able to lead there. But let's just look at the offense for a second. I know you brought up the defense and we'll we'll get back to that. Let's just look at the offense for a second. So because they've been in a lot of garbage time scenarios, Zach, they're up there in terms of net yards, right? They're sixth uh, in the league in total yards per game, 401. But really, if you go down the list now, obviously they're faring better than the Broncos here in terms of making a few top 10 appearances here offensively. However, what they've had is stability and consistency and continuity at the quarterback position, which is very meaningful. It's very important. Meanwhile, the Broncos, you see a lot of, you know, Reds bottom 10 in almost every uh, statistical category offensively with the exception of rushing and fumbles lost. Uh, the, the Falcons, meanwhile, what concerns me here, or I shouldn't say concerns me, but the, the points you got to focus on here is net passing yards per game. And this, again, goes back to garbage time scenarios. They've been in a lot of them, so it's a little overinflated. But, Zach, they're passing for 292 yards a game and Matt Ryan's only thrown four picks and they've played for half their schedule. So he's on pace to only throw eight picks this year. He's, he's being pretty efficient in terms of protecting the ball and taking what's given. But, but Zach, it's not really producing the returns for the team. I've always been a big Matty Ice fan, Chad. I don't know about you. I've always thought he was a very underrated quarterback for the most part. When he had Kyle Shanahan, you know, he was just magic, but I would caution to say that a lot of their, yards and stats have come in garbage time they've blown a lot of fourth quarter leads they've gone up big on games and teams came back on them so a lot of it has been legit as well it's really the only thing they do right based on what i've seen of atlanta this year that passing attack calvin ridley and julio jones they have hayden hurst as the tight end i'm not too worried about them or the rushing attack it just comes down to that passing game i would put bryce callahan on ridley and aj boyer assuming he plays and clears protocol on Julio Jones. You bracket them, you double-team them. That is the key to victory. You slow down that passing attack, you will win this game. And look at this. In terms of sacks allowed, you know, they're a little beyond middle of the pack. They're ranked 18th. They've allowed 17 sacks on Matty Ice. And for what it's worth, I, I do agree with you in terms of Matty Ice being underrated by and large. He hasn't you know, had the greatest uh, luck with coordinators. But at the same time, the knock for me on, on Matty Ice is – you know, he's had consistent uh, – you know, he's been the guy ever since he entered the league. What was it, 08, I want to say? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure, right? And he's been the starter day one, and, you know, he he's never been that franchise guy who, by virtue of his own wherewithal, elevates not only the guys around him on offense, but, like, propels the team forward. Like, even look at the 2013 Broncos with, with Peyton Manning. And I know that's a unicorn-type season, but just for a second, look at that, that year. The Broncos had no business – all right, making it to the Super Bowl, but just by virtue of the fact that 
yeah, they set all those records on offense, but defensively, I mean, they had they were missing what what was it? Nine starters. There might have been one or two of that, including on the offense. But I think seven starters they were missing on defense. And yet, the reason I I bring them up in comparison, Zach, is in Peyton Manning's case, he was a true franchise guy. Like he's a true Hall of Fame caliber guy who elevated not only his his guys that he had direct influence over in terms of the offense, hence the six hundred six points, the fifty five touchdowns, and all that, and the records. But everyone else around him, the defense, the team just played better because of him. And that's my one knock on Matty Ice, Zach, is that he's just never quite – he's good enough to kind of get you there, but he's never been enough right. to kind of carry his team. Well, when your coach is a perpetual loser, your defense is blowing 30-point you know, leads every game, that, that's where he struggles, and he's done enough. But, yeah, you slow down that passing attack. And one thing I want to point out, first of all, that comment that said Calvin really is not going to play, he's day-to-day. That's premature to say. He might not play, but he might play as well. But look at, Chad, that Falcons red zone percentage. They're 27th in the NFL. And we're going to go down to the Broncos' defense in a second. They're very good in the red zone. So they have a chance to really stifle this Falcons' passing attack. And, again, if they can do that, I'm very confident they will win this game. One last thing before we that – was, that's a great point, by the way. One last thing before we move on to the defense comparison here is – You know, you look at the Falcons, they're sitting here ranked 19th in rushing, uh, averaging 100, let's just say 109 yards per game. You think, all right, that's that's a manageable matchup for the Broncos. But then you factor in that without Mike Purcell last week, they gave up the Broncos over 200 yards rushing to three no-name running backs for the Chargers at home, by the way, in the thin air, mile high. Now compound that potentially with the possibility of Shelby Harris not being able to make it out of the protocol that's one thing to keep an eye on that could end up being a key to this game, Zach. Well, this is where Draymond Jones has to rise up. This is where Deshaun Williams has to rise up to Marcus Walker. I mean, not having Shelby Harris sucks, Chad. There's no two ways about it. That's a big loss for Denver. They do have, though, the best DL coach in the business in Bill Kalar. They have some young talent. I think Draymond Jones can handle filling in for one week, but it's going to be a test of not just the defensive line, but the linebackers in coverage and also the secondary, the safeties and the cornerbacks. That is a determining factor for me in this game. And by the way, just real quick, a tirade rant, a mini rant on Shelby Harris Appreciation Day. I really do think he's going to be back in time to play in this game, but we need to appreciate how good of a season he's having. I mean, he's last last year he did leave some doubt. That there's a reason why the spot tracks of the world were projecting, you know, he's going to get out there and command 11 million per year. There's no way the Broncos are going to be able to get him back unless they want to pay him that. Didn't shake out that way for a reason. Teams were skeptical that as a first-year starter, you know, that was his first time being a starter, and he did start all 16 games, produce a career-high six sacks, that it was a flash in the pan. There wasn't enough there there to really justify rolling out the checkbook. Meanwhile, Zach, fast forward to 2020, you are almost one half of the way through the schedule, and Shelby Harris is the fourth-highest-rated interior defensive lineman in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. He's got uh, 23 tackles, 15 solo, two and a half sacks, all right? Plus, he's got, to go along with those sacks, five additional quarterback hits, 12 hurries. And then, of course, he's among the league leaders in tip passes, one of which we know was picked off by his fellow trenchman, Deshaun Williams, in week six. So just shout out to Harris. I can't wait to see this cat get paid. He's he's cruising for a, a finally that that real payday. Yes, I said it last year. I said it before free agency this year. I said it before the season. I said it two weeks ago. I'll say it now. Hashtag pay Shelby. This is a guy worth investing in. And guys in the comments, let me get an amen. Hashtag pay Shelby. Let's see some some support for one of the best, most unheralded 
defensive lineman in the entire NFL. Hashtag pay Shelby. All right, real quick here. The defense, as Zach alluded to, for the for the Falcons, I mean, they're ranked. You want to talk about bottom 10. They're bottom, what, five? They're 28th, right, <laughs> net yards per game. They are hemorrhaging yards like nothing, like nobody's ever seen. And, you know, for Drew Locke trying to get – trying to build on that prolific fourth quarter and for that offense trying to, you know, get some momentum going, that's, that's a fortuitous matchup even on the road. And I want to remind everybody, the Broncos only have three wins this year, right? Uh, two of them have been on the road, and two of them were in East Coast games. So I like their chances of coming into this defense and building on what they accomplished in that fourth quarter against the Chargers. But a couple other quick comparisons here defensively. The one thing that the Falcons can kind of, um, you know, plant their flag is against the run, they're top 10. You know, they, they're not even allowing 100 yards per game on the ground. So that's going to be a test for the Broncos, especially early on when it's two two different teams trying to figure out you know who's going to be able to impose their will first. God, 28th in yards per game, 32nd, dead last in yards per play, 31st against the pass. This is a premier juicy matchup for Drew Locke in this passing attack. And what better time after that fourth quarter comeback against LA? This is where he has to thrive. This is where he puts the game on his shoulder, similar to the Texans game last year. It's a similar opponent and almost a similar environment, Chad. You know, a dome stadium, kind of a neutral setting, an easy matchup for him. This is where Locke would love to have a 300-yard, four-touchdown game. And you know what? Against that Falcons defense, that barely their secondary, it's possible, if not probable. Here's what I like, man. You get to these last four defensive stats in comparison. Takeaways, they're almost equal. The Broncos only have eight. The Falcons have nine. But then you get to sacks. The Broncos are a top-10 defense right now without Von Miller, without Jarrell Casey, all right? 20 sacks on the season. Meanwhile, the Falcons have really struggled to, to generate consistent pressure, only 13 QB takedowns. And then you look at the third down percentage. Now the Falcons are up there. They've been, that's one of their few, you know, points where they've excelled as a defense is on third down. The Broncos, they're even better. And then in the red zone, look at that, Zach. They're allowing three of four red zone trips to their opponents to be touchdowns. Yeah. So that is, you want to talk about serving Drew Lock up a nice fat steak, you know, perfectly cooked, <laughs> medium rare, you know, uh, Forks down, let's get after it. This is his chance. And look at the Broncos' red zone defense, conversely, less than 50%. And you take it back to that Falcons passing offense. This is this matchup really, when you break down the numbers, really favors the Broncos, even with the injuries, even with everything going on, maybe without Shelby Harris. This is a game the Broncos not only should hope to win, but kind of expect to win. This is an inferior opponent, Chad, and the Broncos have to exert their will on those types of games. One last thing I want to mention, then we'll get back to the stream, is that this is a credit to Vic Fangio and his entire staff that, <clears throat> excuse me, in a pandemic-influenced and truncated offseason, they've still managed to coach an extremely disciplined uh, team, you know, all three phases. The Broncos are ranked seventh in terms of fewest penalties committed. They've only committed 36 through seven games. Meanwhile, the Falcons are, you know, bottom third. So, Credit to, and that's keeping in mind, Zach, that week eight was kind of a a game in which it was the outlier so far in terms of the dam breaking open penalties-wise. It seemed like, you know, a bunch of crucial situations, penalties, Garrett Bowles penalized three different times. But that's a credit, I think, to Vic Fangio, and hopefully it starts paying some dividends for him in the the win-loss column. 
Agree, Daniel. Thank you. Hashtag Payzak. But yeah, you know, it's a credit to Vic Fangio and also the, the Falcons are a very undisciplined team and you saw it in the stats there. They're not the most undisciplined team, but under Dan Quinn, they were a disaster and they're a little better now. But again, this is an opponent. It's not the Patriots or the Chargers or the Chiefs. This is a team the Broncos have to beat. I know they're not championship caliber this season, but they are still better than the Falcons and it's time they exert their will on teams they should beat. Good teams, Chad, win the games they're supposed to. Well said. Muhammad Badri jumping in, one of our superstars. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, hello, rock stars. I want to give a shout out to The Beast at John KMHH, Buona Beast. Always engaging with the Broncos community 24-7, hashtag beast, hashtag rock stars. Yeah, you know, that's something. And what's cool about John in terms of, you know, we talk about what's contrived and what isn't. That's just John. Like John has a genuine interest in people. He has a genuine interest in our community and the individuals, Zach, that make up our community. And, you know, that's why when you hear me say, hey, go follow John on Twitter. He's a great follower. You're going to love following John. There's a lot of reasons for that, one of which is, you know, he actually engages with everybody. He cares about people. Yes. And so, you know, he does a lot for us. And we appreciate him. Great member of our community. And, guys, you see it right there, at John KMHH. Great Twitter follow. Shoot him a follow. He's a, he's a great guy, great Broncos fan. All right, let's grab Tom El Greco in the hizzy. Appreciate you again, my friend. He says, uh, not to take anything away from Herbert, but he throws the ball in a lot of double coverage, guys. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a rookie. And that's why Broncos fans, um, you know, I think they just got – and I'm not – I don't want to paint with too broad of strokes here, but we saw it pretty heavily in our chat streams for a couple of weeks there. Broncos fans got a little too far out over their ski Zach, in the QB envy as it related to, to Justin Herbert. And I understand why they succumbed to the temptation, okay, because he was putting up numbers. And even against the Broncos, he put up volume, all right, points, yards, touchdowns. But to Tom's point here, he's still missing reads, you know. He still does throw into double coverage at times where he fails to use his eyes to manipulate safeties and ends up telegraphing what he's going to do. And that's just a – Symptom of being a young quarterback. It's going to take right. time to work out those kinks as he as he develops. The same thing that we've been saying and hammering home about Drew Locke also applies to Justin Herbert. It applies to every young quarterback in the NFL. It's a roller coaster in a process. I didn't he didn't blow me away, Herbert, in that game. He didn't look like Mahomes in his prime. He was pretty good. I think he's well more advanced for a rookie than most other quarterbacks. I think he'll have a nice career, but he didn't blow the doors off me. He's still making the mistakes, and those mistakes, if Drew Locke made them, are magnified tenfold, where, where with, you know, Herbert, you're just enamored by the passing numbers. Locke has the wins. Herbert doesn't. I'll take that quarterback any day. Well, well said. Uh, Isaiah 1127, appreciate the super chat, my brother, and another guy that just in the recent, I don't know, month or two, probably since the season started or so, has really come on strong as a superstar and supporting what we're doing here. Really appreciate you, my friend. Uh, he says, the game plan to beat the Dirty Birds, hashtag MHH love. Um, Zach, I haven't fully articulated exactly what my keys to victory are yet in terms of Broncos-Falcons. However, one thing I'll throw, and we'll talk more about that tomorrow. So tomorrow night is the Mile High Mailbag. We'll get into some keys, and we'll have that a little bit more fully fleshed out. But what I could tell you watching some tape today, studying some Falcons All-22 and, and what we know about the Broncos is this is a game where you got to really hope Philip Lindsay's toe is not nagging to a point where he can't play on Sunday because this is a game where the Broncos really need to impose their will on the ground yes. and get after the Falcons on the road with Lindsay and Gordon, but especially Lindsay in particular because even though they're they're ranked in the top 10 against the run, the Falcons, that's an artificially inflated statistic because of the – 
complexion these games they've been in have taken, you know, they, they, I just like that matchup. I think the Broncos, and obviously, you know, you can say, well, yeah, Chad, tell us something we don't know. If you can run the ball on the road, you know, that's a key to victory. But I think this is a great opportunity for the Broncos to build on what they've, what they've accomplished on the ground over the last couple of weeks, to be frank. It's a great point. And just to, you know, make a different point and kind of deviate, even if Philip Lindsay can't play for whatever reason, even though I think he will, this is a game that Locke has to take over. This is a game where he has to continue what he did in the fourth quarter and not come out like the first half true Locke against the Chargers. It needs to be up-tempo with pace, be aggressive. And also the Broncos, this is, we'll talk about it tomorrow, like you mentioned, they have to avoid a slow start. They're on the road. It's an early morning game for them, 1 o'clock Eastern. They can't come out with no energy. They have to come out being aggressive and firing on all cylinders the same way they did against the Chargers, playing angry and treating the Falcons, not playing down to them and not playing, you know, not looking their nose up at them, but treating them like the team they are, which is inferior. So it's all about the passing attack. It's locked. He has to do the work through the air, Chad, if they can't get the running game going. On defense, it's containing the passing attack. It's getting to Matt Ryan. It's shutting down Julio Jones, shutting down Calvin Ridley. Those two facets on both sides of the ball, if the Broncos win those facets, they will win the game going away. I do agree that they got to get out early and often and produce. And with with Drew, it doesn't mean he needs to put up 300 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. Right. It just means in this heart that, you know, one of the things that you saw turn significantly for Drew in that fourth quarter against the Chargers is something Vic Fangio had been hammering on for weeks, which is th- efficiency in key situations. He started trusting his protection and stood tall in his pocket, made his reads. And Zach, when it was a key situation, third and six, third and 15, some very unfavorable downs and distances, Locke delivered. So in this game against the Falcons, that's the order of the day. On third down, deliver. In the red zone, deliver. And that, that ties into uh, Girton 10 here jumping in. Appreciate the super chat, my friend. He says the Broncos' best offense seems to be, I think he's trying to say 21 personnel with Albert O. Agree? And so what he's getting at, though, is two tight ends, one back, right, on the field. Um, I do – I don't know about best offense, but it's the best if you want to utilize both Albert O and Fan right. on the field at the same time. And, you know, in a game in which you're on the road and you need to establish the run – it might be the best for this particular matchup because Albert O, you know, he can block enough to at least pose a semi-plausible threat that you're going to run, but he's but he's really a big receiver. You know, he's just a big athletic, dynamic guy that's, you know, he's too fast for linebackers and he's too big and physical for DBs. So utilize that, Zach, this week. Yeah, I, I was going to say this this – package isn't the best for the running game because neither tight end is a, is a known blocker, but it's good for Drew Locke because it's his two guys on the field and Noah Fant and Albert O that he trusts the most. He has the best connection with, maybe except for Tim Patrick and Corlton Sutton. So in that sense, it works. But I don't really, it's not black or white for me. It's very gray. The best packages, the best plays are the ones that are called to get Locke in rhythm, the ones that are called to take advantage of his skill set. You saw it in the fourth quarter. I want them to come out in this Falcons game, Chad, to tie on to my last point, pretending they're down in the fourth quarter, pretending they have to mount another comeback and their backs are against the wall. That's how they have to play. If they play slow or conservative or, oh, we'll get it later, it's going to be more of the same like we saw in the first half last week. All right, we got another one here from Tom. He's making a prediction here. Appreciate you on the Super Chat. He says, 28-20 Broncos this weekend. Zach and I will uh, officially unveil our predictions on Friday in the Mile High Roundtable, but we might give you a preview tomorrow night. We'll see. I'm feeling pretty good about it, to be honest with you. Like, <clears throat> my picks each and every week, <clears throat> excuse me, don't come down to me, Zach, analyzing every statistic, you know, watching every, all the film that I can get my hand. 
a lot of the times I, all that stuff factors in, but I go with the gut. What's my right. gut telling me? And right now my gut's telling me good things about the Broncos. Yeah, I go with my eyes and my gut, Chad. And those, you know, <laughs> usually don't let me down. I will say this. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. We have the mile high, you know, the, the roundtable article going up. We give our score predictions. I don't think the Falcons score that many points. I don't think it's going to be that close of a game. I think the Broncos can put 28 points at least, hint, hint, but I don't think the Falcons are approaching that. This is a game where the Broncos defense should take over and Locke should thrive. Should being the key word. All right, let's see here from Zyka. <clears throat> Good to see you, my friend. It's been a minute since we've had Zyka Bowden uh, in the super chat. Really means a lot to us, my friend. Thank you. He says, made it to, uh, made it in tonight. Hashtag let him hate. Hashtag not a backup. Indeed, Drew Locke is not a backup. And uh, he, again, maybe I missed it, guys. Has there been a quarterback that's won more games in his first 10 starts than Drew Locke in the last few starts? Besides, I guess, Patrick Mahomes probably, right? Pat Mahomes, maybe Lamar Jackson if you're going back to 2017, maybe Deshaun Watson. So maybe I spoke too soon now that I actually really think about it. But let's look at some of the players that that uh, some of the quarterbacks that Colin Cowherd was referencing and, and making comparisons to Drew Locke and whatnot. None of those guys came close to the dubs that Drew Locke did in his first 10 starts. So, again, it's just a ridiculously bad take on the part of Colin Cowherd. But, Chad, also look at the scope of the victories that Locke picked up. Look at the teams that he beat. In his brief young NFL career, the Texans, the Chargers, he came back and beat the Raiders in the finale. This year he beat the Patriots, he beat the Chargers, he took the Titans toe-for-toe with them. I mean, it's not just beating up on the the, the Jets of the world, the Giants of the world. Locke has beaten good opponents, and he's only now starting to scratch the surface of his potential. That's what's so exciting. We probably have seen the worst of Drew Locke. We have not even close to come to see the best of him yet. That's a good point. In fact, that would be that would make for a good column, to be honest with you, Zach. We have seen the worst of Drew Locke, but I don't I agree with you. I don't think he's come close yet to be to to playing at the at the highest level that he can in terms of his potential. You know, he's got three he's got two games now under his belt in the ten games that he started, only nine of which, of course, did he actually play the whole game. But two of those now are are games in which he passed for three touchdowns in a game and one of those games, they all came in one quarter. It's it's he's he's got some momentum. There's still a lot of things he needs to refine. Let's not get out over our skis to use that phrase again here. But there's been absolutely nothing to get off the uh, Drew Lock train. Give this kid time, and I think the the results are going to continue to come. Josh here on Facebook says, "I agree. We got to slow the passing attack of the Falcons. Can this be a good pound and grind for our running backs?" And that's a good point, man. That you know, in terms of establishing the run, that's one of the things you're doing is. You're winning the uh, ball control, the time of possession, and you know that's something the Falcons have won mostly. We saw that statistic when we were doing the share screen and showing you guys that graphic. You want to keep the ball out of Matty Ice, who's been pretty dang good at distributing it to Julio Jones and, and Calvin Ridley, even though it hasn't added up to many points for him. Here's the thing, though. I mean, the Falcons are no dummies. They're watching the tape from last week. They see what makes the offense go, and for right now it's Phillip Lindsay, and to an extent it's Melvin Gordon as well. I, I will say this game is setting up not for so much ground and pound, but for play action. You know, keep him off guard. Make him seem like you're running the ball. Use some different packages. Not always shotgun passes. Have lock under center. Have a back behind him. Have a wishbone offense. Just keep that Falcon Z off balance. Play action because lock, Chad, is the key to this game. His arm and what they should do against a really lousy, hapless secondary should be the difference in a Broncos victory on Sunday. Kenneth Booker, everyone knows Kenneth Booker, one of our 
bona fide superstars. And three for twenty, my friend. He says to the Atlanta fans, Atlanta jerseys on sale, three for twenty eight. You know, it's funny, man. That's a that's that's a that's that's a meme for you, dog. You should turn that into a meme. Get it going in Broncos country right now. Go share it on in the MHH Facebook group. It stings, um, Chad. You know what? For Atlanta fans, I, I know a few. I have a few uh, colleagues in media who are long suffering Falcons fans. All right, Atlanta guys, and uh, they remind me almost of the same plight that anyone who I have a couple of close friends who are Chargers fans. It's a very similar plight that these two teams have, where for so long, you know, on paper they had the pieces to be a competitive, winning type of club, but it's always been so fleeting and inconsistent, and they get so close to the top of the mountain, but they can never get over it. I mean. As his as his super here says, I mean that. How did you not win that Super Bowl? Gosh darn you, Atlanta. Dan Quinn, that's the reason, Chad. Any other coach would have won that game. He's a loser. That's why he no longer has a job. <laughs> he's a loser. <laughs> why is that right, a loser? Uh, all right, um, cop sixteen says I thought Harris had a negative test, but it's just for safekeeping. Yeah, so when it's negative, so the problem is I'm not going to go. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a you know doctor and all that stuff. But what we know is. If I was exposed to the bug today um, and I and I actually contract it, I might not test positive for it if you test me today. I might not even test positive tomorrow, but the next day I might. And so somebody like uh, Harris, who knows he came into personal contact with someone who, in fact, did have the bug, thus he was potentially exposed. You got to go through uh, – the NFL has a protocol where they make them go through, uh, what, I think it's three days. Yeah. And in those three days of self-isolation, each day they come and get their – uh, test or they take a test. I don't know if they come to take the test, but they take their test. And if three days consecutively, Zach, they have negatives, then they can come back. Yeah, they first have to come back into the facility, let alone the practice field and let alone the starting lineup. But um, Shelby Harris, there's a chance he plays on Sunday. It's it's truly questionable. I can see it going both ways. But regardless, this is a soft opponent for the Broncos overall, even with the with the Falcons passing attack. This is a game the Broncos should win, even without Shelby Harris, if it came to that. All right, guys, tonight is one of those episodes in which we're going to keep it really dang close to the one-hour mark and bounce on out. But before we do, let's grab Float here who says, I'd put Callahan on Jones, on Julio, A.J. Bouye on Ridley. Callahan has 100% silently been the best corner on the team. Opinions, guys. Um, I would flip that personally. I would put Callahan on Ridley. But either way, to your second point there about, yes, he has been the best corner on the team. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but he's one of the top 10 ranked corners in, in the game right now with according to pro football focus. And big Fangio said last week that interception he made Zach in the end zone that really prevented the chargers from, from putting this game away was the best play he's seen Callahan make as a pro. And he's been there for every single play since he entered the league. Yeah. He's been phenomenal this year playing at an all pro level. And I agree with what the question posed. He's far and away the Broncos best cornerback. But if you watch the Falcons tape, you can make the case that Calvin Ridley at times is the Falcons best receiver. So I would rather have Callahan on, on uh, Ridley and have a safety over the top and have Boye, who's just the bigger, longer, more physical corner mashing up with a big, long physical receiver in Julio Jones. And of course you bracket him, you double cover him. And again, if you stop those two players, you will win this game. All right, one or two more, and then we got to get going here. From Jabberjaw, he says, you guys think we should try tempo offense? We marched down the field at the end of the game. Yes, that's something we talked about, Jabberjaw, in the gut reaction and then in the aftermath game uh, episode on Monday night. That, you know, it's a fine line because 
for young quarterbacks, it's not as easy as just saying, let's run no huddle all the time. I mean, there does have to be some real command of the offense and a real command of what you're seeing on defense. So coaches have to really be able to trust you to do that. I'm not sure Drew Locke's there yet where Shermer can say, just go run no huddle. You know, let's do this. It's not Peyton Manning quite yet. Let's face it. But nevertheless, Zach, the tempo thing and throwing some uh, no huddle series at them earlier in the game, I think can help get him in a groove earlier. Right. They're doing him a disservice when they take him out of that groove, Chad. When he's getting going and you see the momentum picking up and you can feel, you can feel the confidence building, it's it, to slow him down and, and limit him to the pocket and play in a phone booth and become a, a horizontal offense. It just does everything at a service, including your, your quarterback. So they have to play fast. They have to play aggressive, but also loose. Locke likes having fun out there. He's a big kid out there. Don't make him be an Alex Smith game manager. Let him have fun. Let him be loose. Let it fly. You will reap the rewards like you saw last week. And that ties into Justin Martin's super chat. Thank you, my friend. He says, hey, guys, Drew Locke is just having fun. People need to chill out and just let them be themselves. Yes, and again, to the tirade that he went on there is uh, Colin Cowherd, for what it's worth. It was just so bizarre. It was just weird. Justin, again, appreciate the super, Thank you. my dog. You've been talking about another guy that's come on strong of late. Appreciate your support, Justin. He says, I'm confident our defense can hold their offense. We just need to come out firing and never let up on the gas. Well said. Can't, can't uh, disagree there, my friend. It doesn't mean playing stupid either. It's taking deep shots every down, but you have to mix it up and take shots and high percentage passes in the middle of the field, getting the ball to KJ Hamler, Jerry, Judy, Noah Fant, we can only hope, Chad, we'll talk more about it tomorrow, but we can only hope that what we saw in the second half and the fourth quarter will translate over going forward, that it wasn't just a flash in the pan. All right, two more legit. This is one we I, we should have mentioned this earlier in the show because it happened while we were off, of course. But uh, Vaughn, it was actually uh, Monday night after our podcast that I saw this. But, uh, yeah, he did a, an Instagram Live um, and said in response to a question, yeah, three weeks, month or so, I'm, I'll be good to go. So Tim wants to know, is Vaughn really returning in three to four weeks? The answer to that question is contingent, Zach, 100% on whether or not the Broncos are playoff relevant when December starts. Like if they're in the hunt, like right now, they're, I think it's two games back from the seventh playoff seating in the AFC. All right, if you're starting at the one or two games back of the seventh and final playoff spot to begin December, I think the Broncos just bite the bullet and say, all right, Vaughn, if you're if if the doctors clear him and Vaughn's saying I want to and I can play, play him. You're paying him anyway. Get him out there. Right. You know, how many quality years of Vaughn Miller do you really have left um to in the tank, so to speak? So get him while it's hot. Get him while you can. Well, that's where I can play devil's advocate is I can see the Broncos playing him, but only if they're either leading the wild card or literally right there because you're chancing Von Miller's not just his short term, but he's getting up there in age. Also, his long-term outlook chat as well. Not only if you want him back next year, but maybe, I'm not suggesting this, but maybe as a potential trade piece. If he gets injured, he has no value left over. He wouldn't be a salary cap dump. You wouldn't get the same compensation for him. We touched on this on the last podcast. Gun to my head, I don't think he plays this year. It has to be a situation where the Broncos are literally right there in the thick of things. If there's still a couple games out, it makes no sense risking him. Bradley Chubb is looking really good in this season. Malik Reed has come out of nowhere. You can technically get by with the players you have. Would Vaughn at 100% be nice? Yeah. But Vaughn coming back in December wouldn't be Vaughn at 100% anyway. So I don't think I'd risk it, Chad, unless there's an immediate gain from it. Yeah, our thinking is just different on this topic. I I really, first and foremost, it all comes down to 
are you cleared medically? If he's cleared medically, then very next question is, are we playoff relevant? And by that, I mean with five games left to go. Because when you start December, Zach, you're going to have five games. There's four games in December, and then the last game, the season finale, is in January. All right, so you got five games left to go. If you're playoff relevant, if you're within striking distance of one of those wild card spots, for me, I play him, but we're, we're running out of time, guys. Uh, NNN, HHH, 555, I got to come up with a better. Uh, uh, either you got to change your handle, my dog, or I got to come up with a better name. N5. How about that? What is it? N5. N5. NH5, maybe? Yeah. NH5. Then we incorporate it all. Uh, appreciate the support, my friend. He says, just got to let the Falcons get to a 21 point lead, and then we'll have them <laughs> right where we want them. Yeah, 28 to 3, 21 points. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the Broncos, all joking aside, Chad, this is a game. I don't want to say it's a, it's an easy win or a slam dunk win, but the Broncos should really have their way with this lowly Falcon squad. All right, gang, we're going to dip out. Thank you so much to each and every one of you yes. for spending an hour with us here tonight talking Broncos. And it's a pleasure and a joy, as always, to speak with you. Make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter. We can keep the conversation going on social media, at HuddleUpPod, also at Mile High Huddle. You follow my partners at Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, and myself at Chad N. Jensen. As we mentioned, John K., the, the producer here, John Cronenberg, on Twitter, easy, at John K. MHH. We love keeping the conversation going there. And also go to milehighhuddle.com. We want to see you in the comments. We want your takes. We want your opinions. We want your view on how things are shaping up with the Broncos. When Zach or myself writes an article and you know we're publishing four, four to six articles a day, we want what your opinion on the on what we have to say. If we say, look, you know, Von Miller should come back if the Broncos are playoff relevant and, and the doctors clear him, he should play. If you disagree with that, we want to hear your take. So that's another place to keep the conversation going. Another gentle reminder, gang, to head on over to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Another way to support what we're doing here. Get a hat, get a t-shirt, get a face mask, get a mug. Lots to choose from. But whatever you do, before you dip on out of here, don't forget to hit the like button. Helps us out tremendously, gang. You have no idea. And again, if you if we did a good job for you tonight, share this video out there. That's the best litmus test for Zach and I to let us know whether or not we're doing a great job. So, Zach, until uh, tomorrow, we'll be back for the Mile High Mailbag, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Until then, we'll see how things shake out with regard to the uh, election for, for the United States and how things continue to coalesce for the Broncos. Yeah, hopefully we have an update on Shelby Harris's status. We'll know more about the game. And also we'll get into it, Chad. We'll break down and give our, our score prediction and our matchup, what to look forward to. So always excited about that. And also the mailbag every single week, our favorite podcast. See you guys then. A mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. We love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. For Zach Kelberman, for John, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you tomorrow, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. 
your body. And the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.